0: You know, last week, uh, my wife and I, Cindy, we left the service a little bit early last week because we had a wedding to get to, uh, had some family members in Toledo that were getting married, and so we bugged out of here, ran over to our house, changed into our wedding garb, and had a quick lunch, and headed out, and as we were pulling out of the driveway, Cindy punched in my phone, uh, the, uh, direction, the address and the directions, and, and so uh, because they lived in Toledo, I was like, we're going to head up 77 here, hop on the turnpike, head to Toledo, needed to be there by 3 o'clock, and... And uh, so I get out of our, our subdivision. I live in Firestone Park, and it's taking me on 76 going straight west. And I'm like, well, that's kind of odd because we need to go northwest. But I stayed on 76 a little bit. It must be faster way or something. We got to the end of 76 down there, and it turns into 71. And I'm like, well, this is weird. But, you know, hey. And it took me south on 71, and I'm like, what's going on here? right? This is just weird. What's going on? And, and I said, Cindy, I, I don't know why we're going south on 71, because we need to go to Toledo. And she said, I never said the wedding would be in Toledo. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, great. Uh, so it's got to be near Toledo, right? And she said, well, it's in a place called Forest, Ohio. And I'm like, okay. So she pulled up her phone, and sure enough, Forest, Ohio is directly west of Mansfield. So my GPS had it right all along. But for about 10 minutes, I was just really, really confused. And I was like, mm, what are we gonna do? Uh, this is really weird, we're not gonna get there on time. You know what, if I had not bothered to put that, have Cindy put that into the GPS, and I just head up 77 to Turnpike, and when we got closer to Toledo, hey, plug the, the address in, I would've been toast. And I, it was her family, so I would've been really in bad shape. <laughs> but, but I want you to know today that, that there's a problem we have. And and that problem is, is that we all have a destination in life, and if we're not headed in the right direction, no matter what we think, we could end up in the, the wrong place. And so today I have a couple of questions for you. Are we going in the right direction with our life, and do we even know the right destination? Until you get the destination figured out, there's no way to know about the right direction information is crucial to be sure that we have a chance of reaching the place for us as people of God and people who are searching out God to be uh, uh, in a place that God ultimately wants us to be and what is that perhaps you've heard this quote by Thomas Merton who was a monk from the uh, mid of the last century people may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they reach the top that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall have you ever heard that That idea, isn't it sad at the end of some of our our friends' lives, people's lives that we followed along, perhaps funerals we've gone to, where by all sense of the word we thought they were successful, but when they got to the end of their life, we realized they didn't really get where they were expecting to go. And what about us? What ladder are we climbing? And what wall is it leaned up against? Those are some questions I'd like to think about today. How do we quantify... That phrase that's been going around, I've heard it a lot from my daughter in the last year or so. I'm living my best life. How many of you say that? Have you ever heard that? I need a mug. My best life, right? We all want to live our best life. And I'm going to propose to you today that in order to live our best life, we got to know what journey we're supposed to be on and what destination we're supposed to be getting to. Otherwise, it's just a road trip to nowhere and it might be good while it happens, but when we get to the end, are we really up against the right wall? So how do we quantify what our destination is? How do we quantify when we've arrived somewhere and if we arrived at the right place? And was it our best life? Well, according to God's word, there is a correct spiritual destination that we should all be journeying toward. (laughs) That purpose and that plan for our life. What is it? Now surprisingly you might think Randy's saying we all need to get to heaven. (laughs) And honestly I'm glad to go to heaven and I'm glad to be there with you. But if heaven was the destination and God had that in mind for me. Wouldn't he already have taken me there? I think there's a journey and a destination that leads to heaven, and heaven's a great place to be, but even when we get to heaven, the place I'm thinking about, the place that I am living in, what I am living for, is much bigger than even spending eternal life with my Savior in heaven. And I hope you're going to get to heaven with me and that you follow Jesus, your life, but today I want to challenge us that perhaps there's something that we're not thinking about on our journey and we need to adjust our GPS and make sure it's going to the right place. So, here's what I think is that bigger plan that significant purpose in our lives, and that is we are only going to live our best life when we realize that we need to live it in the kingdom of God. Are you headed for the kingdom? And are you headed in your journey through the kingdom land right now where you're living spiritually walking in that kingdom here and now and throughout eternity i think is really the place that god wants me and he wants you to be in life you know jesus shares what the kingdom of god is many many times in the bible in fact he talks more about the kingdom of god than he does even heaven so it must be pretty important to him so what is this kingdom well, I want to look real briefly at a few verses today, but, but most importantly, I want to start with Matthew 6. And if you have our Bible app, you'll find the notes there, and you can see it there. Or you might have your Bible, you want, might want to turn to chapter 6 of Matthew right now. We're going to read a couple verses right now. Where Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the first sermons he preached in his ministry here on earth, Jesus, the man who is the living word of God, said these words. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Pastor Jason talked about that last week. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I find it fascinating that Jesus said we are to pray right after worshiping our God. Our prayer should be, Lord, let your kingdom come. May your kingdom come. Did you pray that this morning? I don't every morning either. And that's my point. What journey am I on? Where am I going? His kingdom is here when his will is done on earth, which is in me, as it is in heaven. And then he ties something really important to this, your kingdom come. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Those are what I want to talk about real quickly today. So the first thing we do is we pray for God's kingdom to come. Then, a little bit later in that same sermon, Jesus says this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So not only do I pray for God's kingdom to come, but I am to be seeking God's kingdom. This journey on, this destination that we need to be in and heading toward, it's a game. It's kind of like, where's Waldo? Where's the kingdom of God? I want to seek it first. I want the kingdom of God. That's the best thing I could find. Help me, God, to find it. And when we do, everything is added to us. It's a really cool thing. And then finally, uh, Jesus was also teaching another time, and the Pharisees, who were a group of religious leaders there that, that Jesus was speaking with, came to him. And we have this account in Luke 17 where Jesus talks about the kingdom of God again. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. What did he mean by that? When Jesus said this to the religious leaders, what he was saying was, the kingdom of God is here, and I'm the one talking about it, so I am in your midst. I am the embodiment of the kingdom of God. And that leads me to another point that says this. When Jesus is king of our hearts... The kingdom of God is in our midst, right here, right today. When Jesus is king of me, I'm living on the right journey in his kingdom. When he's our priority, our greatest treasure that we could hope for, when we love him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, we will find our way onto the journey of a lifetime, which will be our best life that we will ever know. My best life is the one that's centered in Jesus and ruled by him. You might know the name T.C. Stallings. He was a running back for the Louisville Cardinals back at the turn of uh, 1990s into the 2000s. But more importantly, he became an actor after that, and he was a very famous actor for the w- movies Courageous and War Room, if you've seen those movies. He's uh, in there. And T.C. Stallings, this athlete, uh, a great athlete, great actor, says this. Following Jesus is a whole different ball game than simply believing in him. Anyone can believe in Jesus, but only true followers passionately pursue the will of God or the kingdom of God in their lives. They strive to let his son take over their entire lives. I want to suggest to you that this is our destination, the kingdom of God completely taking over my entire life. His rule, his reign, his purposes for everything that I do. Staying the course with Jesus and bowing our hearts to him completely as King and Lord is not just a one-time commitment. That's called salvation, and I'm glad for the fact that Jesus Christ saved me. But after that, I have to choose every day to call him my King and my Lord. Now, learning about the kingdom of God is really a lifetime pursuit, and we don't have time today for me to share all of that with you because I have a couple other things I want to share related to this but let me suggest something for you if you're interested at all and I hope that you are because it really should be the very focus of our life what this kingdom of God is all about I suggest that if you're not already that you get on right now media it's a a service that we provide a streaming service of videos and resources that we provide as a church there's a link at the bottom of your notes that you can ask for free access to that and I'd love for you to uh, join up go to Dr. Tony Evans He's a preacher and a teacher from uh, California or from Texas called Urban Alternative is his ministry. He has done a ton of writing on what the kingdom of God should mean to us as believers. Check that out. I think it'll really help you. It's been inspiring and helpful to me. But here's the friction with this whole kingdom of God destination journey kind of thing Jesus is calling us to it, but, but the culture we live in in America, especially, but as Christians, can draw us away from the right place that we need to go with him. Let me share this. I was sure we were going to Toledo for the wedding. I, I had no reason to be sure, but I just figured, hey, they're from Toledo, both of them, we'll be, they'll get married in Toledo, right? I guess it was a destination wedding, and I didn't have the destination. But the point being, we can be sure about a lot of things in our lives, even as Christians. But friends, if Jesus isn't our king, Chances are, we aren't looking for the right destination. So there might be a seemingly right path to take, and we might jump on a highway that seems best to get there, and I was ready to, but I wouldn't have been heading in the right direction, and neither do us. The Bible says there are ways that seem right in the eyes of man, but in the eyes of God, they're not the right way. Let me, let me share with you this way, how we can get kind of close to, to what God wants, but, but really not be lining up with him. There's this uh, organization in Massachusetts and they have core values listed on their website and their core values interested me. Let me read some of those really quick here. These are core values on this website. One should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason. Sounds pretty good. We should be compassionate, empathetic. The freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willingly and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own freedoms. How about this one? Belief should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care never to distort scientific facts to lift one's beliefs. Trust the science, right? We've been saying that for two years now. And here's one. People are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. Those are all like mm, nice thoughts, right? They're not anti-biblical. They probably could bring the Bible in there. Some, Some of us might even, I agree with that. Friends, that organization in Massachusetts is an organization that's called the Satanic Temple. Satan is a deceiver and a liar, but he's also an angel of light, the Bible calls him. And he's gonna bring everything up as close as he can to what's true in order to keep us away from what is really in the kingdom of God. And we got to be very careful about that. And I want to share with you today, hopefully briefly, um, a few ways that we can be easily pulled away from the kingdom life, and then share with you at the end what we can do about that. The first one here's a, a falsehood that I want to share with you I don't need to be part of a church to be a healthy Christian that's becoming more and more prevalent in our culture today and I want to tell you that is blatantly false and let me tell you why I'm going to give you some some real good reasons here from the Bible okay granted a church can be a two or three people in the world where they're the only Christians around or it can be a church like ours or a church of thousands but when we they feel like we don't need to be a part of it we can't be healthy We don't have time to really get into theology of church today, but let me share a couple of things. The Bible talks about the church being a body of many parts. When I am brought into the church family by salvation in my life and I become part of the family, a child of God, I am part of a family with you. And we're a body of many parts. Now, say, for instance, that I became the foot of the body. If I'm off all by myself, I have no leg, no hip, No knee, no brain to move me around. How can I be healthy? I can't do a thing. I'm just a foot over there, right? Or if I'm a hand over here, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this and serve others because I'm not connected to the body. If I feel like I don't need to be healthy, I guess I could be by myself. But in order to be healthy, I have to be connected to the body, right? Or it might be the eyes, and you're bringing all these images that are are things of beauty and, and, and all of that, but I have no one to share those images with because I'm not part of the body. You get the point. We have to be together to be part of the body. Or maybe look at it this way. There are dozens of scriptures that command us to love one another, share with one another, forgive one another, care for one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, serve one another, eat with one another, support one another. When we're not participating as part of the church, but are isolated in our faith, I don't need to be part of the church to be healthy, right? Let me put it this way. We can't one another each other. I came up with that myself. (laughs) We can't one another. I can't do the one another's of scripture if I'm not with another to do them with. I can't do it by myself. And so I can't follow God's plan for me and his plan for the kingdom if I'm not with other believers. We're going to have a hard time growing in our faith if we're not around other people. Also, let me just say this. Isolation away from the healthy church is a very dangerous place to be. You know, if you have a herd of gazelles and the lions are out for some lunch and they're going after that herd... They're not jumping into the middle of the pack to get something, are they? They're isolating the weakest gazelle. They're getting it off by itself. You see what I'm saying? And pretty soon, they get that gazelle running the other way from the herd all by itself, and it's very vulnerable. And, you know, Satan in the Bible is called a roaring lion, seeking whom he can kill and devour. And if I can be taken away from the healthy church, and isolated by God thinking I can just watch a message at home I can just uh, hang out with my Bible at home and not really be involved with anybody else Satan's looking for you and he's getting you off to the side and he's ready to seek to kill and devour you be careful that you stay in a healthy church so here's the truth that's false here's the truth and it makes sense my best life happens in community with others who are followers of Jesus You can't have your best life and not be part of a healthy church. Some of those uh, core values we have over there, uh, you can read and we talk about how community is so important to us as a church. Acts 2, 46 and 47, when the church was first started in the Bible, says this, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That verse isn't even possible for someone who isolates themselves from the church. Your best life's gonna happen when you're in a community of healthy believers. Don't let Satan convince you to do the Christian thing by yourself. Here's another lie that I think a half-truth that can kind of side up to what we do as Christians and lead us away. The more I have, the more I achieve in life, the more I'm living my best life. We love stuff. We love bigger, better, the latest, right? Shinier, newer. I'm not saying any of that's wrong. Well, I am saying that the love of it is wrong, but the stuff's not wrong. God does bless us, and he provides for us all in different ways, and that's great, but he calls us all to surrender to him, to realize that he's the owner of all our stuff, all of our achievements, nothing I do matters except what he's allowed to happen. And yet he just wants me to manage it, to steward it well. And I'm grateful that I don't have to worry so much about stuff. But here's the temptation we can have that Satan can get us off track with living the kingdom of God life. Because there's very little about the stuff of America that truly is kingdom stuff. Unless we're using it with a heart for him. So I don't care how much you have or how much I have or how much you don't have or how much I don't have. Friends, if you make over $17,000 a year, you're wealthier than 50% of the world. If you make over $60,000 a year, you're in the top 5%. We in America are rich already. We've already arrived. So why are we so sad? Why are we struggling with stuff? Why isn't things working? It's because it's pulled us away from the kingdom Of God's mindset and heart in our lives. I have to check myself on this one. I'll be honest. I'm really tired of the old car I'm driving. How about you? But prices are so high right now, right? And pretty soon I'm going down that, oh, poor me. Pity. Praise God I have a car that works. See the difference? God, when you have it right for me, you'll take care of it for me. I'm going to wait on you. That's a kingdom mind with stuff. Lord, I wish I could, you know, I wish I was a preacher here instead of Jason. Oh, I don't. But you, get, you see how that happens? I want to achieve more in my life. No. Thank God that I get to be part of this church family. And we get to share things, right? It's just a little thing, but Satan can get us off really, really fast if we're not careful. So here's the deal. The more I have and achieve, the more I'm living my best life. Eh. But here's the real deal. The more of Jesus I have, the more I'm living my best life. The more of Jesus I have. Let me explain this a little different way for you. When we have Jesus, we have everything we need. If I am dead in my sins, which the Bible says, the only thing I really need is eternal life. And he's given that to me because I've accepted him as my savior and trusted in what he's done for my salvation. I could go to heaven and I'm ready and I'm done. What more could I need? So everything else that comes along is a blessing. It's an encouragement to my life to be used in blessing of others. And that's all good. It's interesting to me that um, uh, Jesus says this in John 10.10 and it really goes to these two things. Jesus says, The thief, Satan, only comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come to to bring life and to bring it to the full, to bring it abundantly. Jesus gets it. This is Satan territory. This is Jesus' territory. He's our best life. In Acts 17, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. In 1 Corinthians, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. There's nothing outside of the realm of Jesus that he doesn't already supply to us. In fact, in verse 28 of Acts 17, it says, in him we live and move and have our very being. It's all Jesus, and we have it abundantly. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Now, here, here's the last thing that I think can easily pull us away, especially as American Christians. I can find my best life apart from God's word. Or maybe using God's word a little on the side when I need some extra spiritual help. mm We can be so quick to trust Google today. You know what I'm saying? What you, oh, just Google it. There's the answer, right? I, yesterday, typed in meaning of life. Four pages before I got to anything remotely spiritual four pages deep on google meaning of life and the first thing that popped up that was finally spiritual was a mormon website on how to find meaning in life and then it was the fifth page before i got to something that i would consider bible believing you're not going to find much on the bible on google unless you're typing in the reference or you use the right words but we trust in that and here's the deal We trust in it because it gets us quick answers. It gets us a place to go, right? Certainly, I'm going to help my son-in-law replace some flooring today and tomorrow. And I can Google, how do I do this? And it's helpful. And chances are the Bible might have some things to say about my attitude about that, but probably not much about how to actually do it. But here's the point. Our hearts can't find Answers in quick and easy things like Google. So what do we need? We need, obviously, the word of God. There's a verse in Proverbs 3. Many of us know it. Some of it's our favorite verse. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths, your journey, your destination to that journey straight. Don't be trusting God on your own understanding or your search engines understanding when it comes to your life your best life is not found there it's found where let's look at that I think the answer is obvious and I'm going to go right to that next slide Deanna and that is my best life is found through God's word There's an account in the New Testament in Matthew 4 where Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Has anybody done a 40-day fast? I haven't. I'm not the only one. Here's the deal. I'm pretty sure Jesus was pretty hungry and pretty thirsty, pretty malnourished, pretty physically down, right? And Satan comes to him and he says, Hey, Jesus. I'm paraphrasing. You can make all things. Why don't you take the stones in this desert and turn them into bread? I don't know about you. If I had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and I had the power to turn anything into bread, Panera rack, right there, right? There it is. Take your pick. 40 days after July 4th before you eat again. So Jesus, knowing that this was not a kingdom of God thing, but it was a Satan thing, because he knew God's word, said this. Jesus said, people don't live, Satan, by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In the midst of his physical anguish, could possibly die from that, he said, I'm going to choose God's word before I choose temptation of Satan. Pretty cool. I'm not sure I would be there. But if I'm living in the kingdom of God, maybe I've got a chance. Your best life is only going to be found through the Bible. John six sixty three says this. The spirit alone gives life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Would you say that with me? Human effort accomplishes nothing. Now say it again. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Let's change that. My, ready? My effort accomplishes That's not fun to say. My effort accomplishes nothing. But, Jesus says, the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. My best life is my word to you. You're not going to get anything done, Christian, but I have it all for you. So, there's no life apart from Jesus and his word. Your best life is only possible through him. Now, let me kind of sidebar here. If you don't regularly read the Word of God, you're going to be in that first thing. I don't really need the Word of God to live my best life. But if you're regularly in the Word, awesome. Keep it up. But here's the deal. You can start today. I don't know how to read the Bible. You know, Google is quick. It's easy. It makes sense. But when I open the Bible, I don't understand what it says. I have a trouble with it. Yes. Push through. But here's another thing. Right now, media. Great studies on how to read your Bible. Or join Pastor Jason. There's links on your notes on Coffee with Connect. He has this really practical, relevant way that he brings us through the scriptures that he's looking at on those days with the coffee. By the way, I don't drink coffee, so I can't watch it. But I, I, I know. No, no, I, I'm just following the kingdom of God, man. So. But... Really, folks, there are ways to do it, and we can help you. Maybe you don't have a Bible that you understand. We'll get you one that is relevant to you, and I'd love to show you how to find God's word relevant in your life. Let me tell you this. Our spiritual journey has many of these different ways to pull us off. I'm just giving you three. There's tons of others that Satan's going to be like, I'm just going to take them and move them over here. So they're going to lose their power. With Jesus and they're just going to be another Christian walking around and be no problem to me we need to be careful that we're following God and walking toward and in his kingdom so if my best life is only available there how do I get to my best life well hate to say it but it's true anytime I join another kingdom and here's my point we have to surrender we have to surrender to that king And so we surrender to God and make him the center of our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I've I've experienced enough of God to know that he's a good God. He's a gracious God. He's a wonderful God. And why wouldn't I want to be part of his kingdom rather than mine? Why wouldn't I want to say, God, you are awesome. I love you. Why would I need to go to any other kingdom but yours to receive all I need for my best life? In Galatians 2, 20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Crucifixion is that word that Jesus went through. I'm dead, right? I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live. How can that be? That's inside, spiritually, my soul. I no longer live, but now Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, Paul says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus calls it this, take up your cross and follow me. When I am totally surrendered, everything in my life that I touch is no longer mine. It's not about me, but it's about him and about his glory. That's the kingdom. So, surrender. Ask Jesus to reign in your life today, completely. And when you and I can learn how to do this on a daily basis... This is awesome because we'll have adjusted our course and now we're set in the right journey and we're going to get to the right destination under the banner of his kingdom. My best life is his kingdom and his work. I don't know how to say it any better, but the problem is almost all of us, and God knows that, struggle with this. So you might be, I agree with you, Randy, but are you really agreeing with me? So here's my connection point today. If Jesus isn't first in our lives, we will always, always be settling for second best. There's no way to get to the best without Jesus. I don't know how to say it any more than that. And I'm not talking about Jesus the Savior. That's wonderful. But Jesus in and through my life. I'm wondering today if something inside you is saying, yeah, when I leave today, I'm wondering if some of the stuff I'm in is kind of second best. Mm, Maybe, I don't know. Then it is. Maybe you've heard it said that we should put God first in our lives, right? You've heard it even said, God first, family, career, going down, right? Logically, that seems very true. But here's what I think God is saying to us when he says, be a part of my kingdom. Jesus is first. Jesus is also first in my family. Jesus is also first in my work. Jesus is with me when I recreate, when I goof off, when I am am hobby or vacation. Jesus is with me in everything I do. Jesus is first in my calendar. He's first in my bank account. He's first in the relationships that I'm having struggles with. Jesus is first in the joys of my life and the sorrows of my life, the victories in my life, and the failures. He's Jesus. He's in everything. So there's no first about Jesus. There could be priorities. But Jesus is in and through everything. That's when we're living in the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Maybe you could ask them of yourself. Am I living my own best life? And I'm hoping that as I live my best life, once in a while, Jesus will show up, join me for part of the journey? Oh good, Jesus is with me today. Yay. I'm not feeling Jesus so much today. What's going on? But I'm still living my best life. Or when you live your life, are you living? for his kingdom. And so the question now becomes, am I joining Jesus on his journey for my best life? And in fact, it's really his best life and I just get to come along. Your own best life or his best life? Which kingdom are you following? When I leave here today, will my focus be on me and my little kingdom? Temporary that it is. Or will it be about him and the kingdom that he wants me to walk in and rule in my life? It's really obvious to me, but it's hard to do because I don't want to surrender. And that prayer is that we would surrender today. You know, I'm so glad that last week Cindy had the right destination. She knew where we were going, even though I didn't. And I'm so glad because we didn't end up in Toledo and then late to the wedding because I was a doofus and went the wrong way, right? Friends, you might be on the right wrong path and you don't even realize it, just like I didn't. But I hope today that you'll hear from the word of God there is a destination and it's the right place to go and I hope that you'll get on it and I'll be glad when you do. Jesus said, I've begun a good work in you and I'll be faithful to complete it. He's going to do it, but he's the one working in you. He also said this. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus all day, every day, the author and finisher of our faith, the author and finisher of our journey, the one who sets the course and the one who will bring it to completion. Fix our eyes on Jesus. His kingdom is our destination. We'll get heaven along the way but will always be in the midst of his kingdom. So let's hit the road. Let's go. And I'd love to go the same direction you're going, right into the arms of Jesus every day. He loves us that much. Would you pray with me? Father, your name is above every name as you taught us to pray. And we pray as well that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and lead us away from the temptations of the evil one and the culture that we live in and the the nice things in life that would, would lull us to sleep in our relationship with you and deliver us from evil, we pray. May your kingdom come to each one here and to those listening online, whether it's for salvation, whether it's for lordship, whether, Lord, it's for the betterment of your church, But certainly, Lord, may your kingdom come for your glory and your glory alone. May it never be about me. May it always be about you. And I pray that for my brothers and sisters here today. Lord, strengthen us. Bring power, bring life back to our healthy church in ways that we've never experienced before because we're a people who are on the kingdom road. We're on the kingdom of God journey. And it invades and infuses our life with you, Jesus. That's my prayer. Would you sing this with me? Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one walk- my right